brush up your Shakespeare. Stop quoting him now. Brush up your Shakespeare, and the women you will wow. Just declaim a few lies from Othello, and they'll think you're a heck of a fella. If your blonde won't respond when you flatter her, tell her what pony told Cleopatra. And if still to be shocked she pretends well, just remind her that all's well that ends well. Brush up your Shakespeare. Kia ora and welcome back to the studio for the first time in 2022. As, <laughs> you can do that, Janet. It's time for Focus on Arts again, and we're in nice air-conditioned comfort. Happy to welcome back Diana Loebser and Janet Bailey from Mahara Gallery. Welcome, women. Always Good a pleasure, enough. Tanya. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having us. I've been looking out the window and looking across and seeing what's happening over there, and you hear a bit of na 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 and I think, oh, things are moving. It's quite major, isn't it? Yeah. The building has sort of been reduced to its... Basic structure, it's shell. And I think before Christmas they dug out most of the concrete in the floor. We've managed to rescue and recycle a lot of the surface materials, although we still have the... uh, the stairway and the balustrade, if anyone's interested, really, really good quality, Rimu, um, if people want to follow us up. But yes, the next phase is about to kick underway, which is kind of the rebuilding. So it's, yeah, quite a moment. Are you selling the stairwell if someone wants to buy yes, it? Yes, yeah. How yeah. cool. Oh, but, there we go. What? Uh, how do they get in contact with you then? Mm, the uh, email info at maharigallery.org.nz yep. or send us a message via Facebook. Or How cool Instagram. would that be? Yeah. If you built this house and said, oh, this is out of Mahara Gallery, this stairwell. Well, yeah. we just bought that and added it into our new build. Yeah. Oh, I think that's fabulous. Yes. All right, carry on. <laughs> oh, um, cool. So here we are. We're um, kicking off the new year with. A friends event, which is what we're here to discuss today. So mm-hmm. I've got uh, Diana Lopeser with me, who's the convener of the Friends. And um, do you want to introduce the Friends again, Diana? Yes, uh, the Friends uh, of Mahara <coughs> are a very proactive group of like-minded people. And we've managed to grow our numbers in the last couple of years. And um, we're always um, looking for new membership. And uh, we are very excited to be going off-site on various art trips and art um, investigations while the gallery is closed and under redevelopment. Mm. So we are about to embark on our third Friends event for 2022. We're very excited to be visiting Putney Guest House that was built in the late 1800s and was part of a big farm in Paraparaumu, and what remains is part of the farmhouse and also Padney Guest House, which has beautiful gardens and is a place where Francis Hodgkin painted uh, some portraits. Whereabouts is this place? I've never heard of it. Oh, mind you, I'm a living person, <laughs> aren't I? Come on, educate me here. Where's Padney so, House? Well, it's, it's not... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's not a public... Visited site in that sense, so we're we're not giving out the um, ah, address. So that's people why you need to be a friend. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, um, but we have discussed with the uh, the new owner, um, Linda Coleman, and she would be happy, you know, for people to arrange visits maybe twice a year through the gallery. Um, this is so quite special, then. It is it a real is. tonga. It is. It yeah. really is, and it's. I mean, it's just as Francis Hodgkins is is kind of uh, less well known on the Kapiti Coast um, than she should be because she's. Her ashes are in Waikanae Cemetery with mm. her family, who were the Field family, mm. whose name is is pretty well known on the Kapiti Coast. So yeah, it's it's quite a treasure for us to be able to have access to the painting that is in the Field collection, known as the Goose Girl, and the house where it was painted, and and then be able to tell the story around it, the house, and for you know to be able to take visitors to it by by arrangement basically yeah, yeah. that's pretty special mm, yeah mm. sorry to interrupt i, I just right. really <laughs> wanted to know i'm a bit yeah, nosy yeah. about these things because i never well, I think a lot it. of people are and that's why there is some sensitivity surrounding yeah the um, exact location yeah fair yeah, enough yeah yeah so we um will be a group of about 15 yeah. of popular-minded people and um we will go and have some morning tea and and um Linda has kindly offered to give us a talk. Cool. Right, we we all the paintings happened and stunning garden, I have to say. Mm. So I think it's it's really a lot of people looking forward to going. Mm. It's actually a, I think it's a one acre mm. site, so it's got a um, I think they're protected trees, a big old remu, which is about. 250 years old, I think she said, and, and an old magnolia, which would obviously oh, be wow. younger yeah, than the Remu. Trees, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the two walnut, big walnut trees that were there when Frances Hodgkins visited. She she also went with a fellow painter and close friend, D- Dorothy Kate Richmond. So they where they painted upstairs in the sort of attic rooms would have looked out over this, um, you know, the garden where the walnut trees are so yeah it's you can tell Diana's pretty excited by the garden it's and yeah, just, it really sets mm, the scene doesn't it, it does. Janet yeah. and, and um gives you a perspective of where the artist was when she was doing these things which is really really a nice thing yeah it's like you're following in her footsteps even if you can't paint mm. you sort of see what she saw and and smell yes. what she yes, smelt exactly. at the time and Get that perspective. And you can picture how she lived. Yeah. And, you know, you can just imagine paint splotches everywhere. and They were on the floor, apparently, and only got carpeted over, what, 20-odd years ago? Yes, yeah. yes. So it was still I very know. much, yeah. you know, it was in a, a working environment for Francis Hodgkin. Oh, I wonder if the paint splodges are still underneath. Most likely. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Wow. So I've actually, I've got some words here that were written. The other thing that's quite neat about this, we've got this story about the model. So the model was a girl called Alice. um, And her maiden name was Beretti. So her father was Luigi. He was an Italian fisherman Mm -hmm. who um, came out obviously from, um, I'm just trying to remember which, I think northern Italy, a little village. And um, but he also became a farmer. So, as Diana said, there's the farm, which was uh, quite nearby, um, and the guest house. And there is a record um, that Olive Baldwin um, collected, which was published in the Celebration History of the Kapiti District in 1988, which was um, 
Alice, before she passed away, talking about meeting Frances Hodgkins and being asked if she would be a model for some paintings. So she says, my father was Italian and passed on to me red hair. I thought it was awful. One day, Willie Field's sister-in-law, Frances Hodgkins, and friend Dorothy Richmond came to Paraparamu for a holiday. They saw my red hair, thought it was beautiful, and asked me to sit for them so they could paint me. I used to carry their paints and easels. The painting she did for me was called Babette. It was put in the Academy, that's the Academy of Fine Arts, which still exists in Wellington, and won a prize. And this is me speaking um, out of the text, and Barbette is now in the Douse Museum in Lower Hutt. Oh, wow. So okay. that's not different from the Goose Girl. Um, so Alice says, I was born in 1891 and came to live in Paraparamu in 1896. We lived in a house by the ramp. That's near the railway line. And uh, we had two acres of land to farm, but my father was a fisherman first. When he gave that up, he worked on the roads until he died in 1912. We had lovely dancers in Wise's Hall, and I don't know where that is or was, nearby. My father used to play the accordion. My mother grew all the fruit for jam making, apples, pears, peaches. We had cows for her own milk supply. George Hamilton Grapes came from England. He grew all kinds of fruit, including grapes. He used to stop the train, board it, then sell bags of fruit to passengers. So that's another, gives you another picture of the district, which was basically a big farm, Mm. probably still quite a lot of bush cover. And the train that came through from Wellington, Francis Hodgkin's brother-in-law, Will Field, was, was influential in making that happen. So I think the Waikanae station launched around this time, 1896. Yes, so it, did. it would have been quite um, wow. recent. And the other thing that she doesn't talk about here is um, that, uh, well, she does talk about carrying their paints and easels because apart from painting portraits of her, she also got roped in to carry them on their trips down to the beach. So they would go to the beach and paint down there as well. And we we don't have access to those paintings anymore, but we do have the portrait of Alice, um, so which is called the Goose Girl. And um, just quoting now from a book that Mahara Gallery, when it first showed all of the Veal collection in 2002, said that this painting was exhibited at the Academy of Fine Arts on the 14th of October 1905, with a price tag of £21, which was reduced to £10 when placed in the private sale of her works at held at McGregor Wright's on 30th July 1908. The painting must have been left unsold in New Zealand because years later, in 1913, when all of her old work on show in Sydney had been sold, Francis Hodgkins wrote to Will Field asking him to please send Goose Girl, adding, you will find it tucked away behind picture on table and drawing room, I think. If not there, in basement with other pictures. It is unframed. <laughs> so that also gives you a real insight into the family kind of 
the way they, they talked they were to each other. And, of her work while she was and away. And the paintings <laughs> yeah. were, yeah, literally. And, you know, they were stored under the table and, behind the, yeah. you know, behind the sofa and under the beds. And that's, in a way, how the field collection came to, you know, be offered to the public in the end because it was looked after by her family mm. while she was overseas for all those years. She never came back after 1913. But twenty one pounds must have been huge money, money back, back then. then. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and she, you know, she uh, she was a great letter writer, of which, of course, was how people communicated in those days. So she mm. was writing often to her mother, mm. Rachel, who she left behind and didn't come home to look after, and and her sister Isabel, and often she'd be they'd be talking about you know shows coming up and prices of work, and please can you get this framed, and. Annoyed when they didn't sell or they sold too cheap. You should have got more for that money. <laughs> I really needed that money. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, it was it was hard, yeah. very hard work being an older woman. Yeah, painter. she also was famous for reusing her canvases and mm. well, on the backs of her paintings. Oh, and wow. there's a lot of paintings that still have never been found of her, some of her European stuff, yeah. because um, they were on the backs and probably were lifted and... Or somewhere. Yeah. I think how many paintings have been documented of hers? 800 oh. and something. Oh, uh, the catalogue was on I haven't actually clocked the actual number, but there's there's a few hundred here in New Zealand. Yes, in but there was some missing. Probably a couple oh, of hundred of still missing yes. uh, from her work in Europe. And, and the oh, field collection, it, when it was originally sort of Held together, it had had a hundred and three paintings or more, and what's in there now is only forty four. So, you know that they have been dispersed over the years as well. So that that's the fun job for art historians and curators is to, to find those missing paintings or yeah, track it all down and join the dots and. It's like putting mm. together a jigsaw puzzle and you've yep. got one little bit missing when you bought it from the op shop. You think, oh, I've got to hunt that bit down. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow, this is exciting. How do, how do people become – I'm just going off on a tangent. How do people become a friend of Mahara? Because this is like this is history of Waikanae that I've learned since I've met you guys here. Mm. And I think people that have lived here their whole life would probably really like to go along to – a lot of these events and and find out some of the history of what started over the over the railway lines and has become a, a taonga here at mm. Mahara. Well, first of all, our website is a valuable um, resource, yeah. and um, on there, our friends' application forms oh, okay. can be found. Yeah. Also, you could also email info at Mahara, and mm. a friends' application pack can be sent to you. Mm. Or again, Facebook. Yes, and Facebook. Oh, several yeah. ways. Facebook, oh, always Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we have various mm. ways of, of contacting you. If you make contact, mm. we will definitely make contact. And some people even manage to climb the stairs to our office <laughs> in this building where we are speaking. Uh, it's a little bit challenging, but, you know, there are two stairs up to our office on the first floor, and there's also a lift. At Mahara Place. Mm. Yes. Or you could mm. sort of send us a, I don't know, <laughs> message up somehow. I'm being silly. There, there are ways and means. Yeah. So what's this book you're looking at at the moment there, Janet? So I mentioned the first book, which was published when the, the collection was first shown 
at the gallery and then it went on a national tour. So mm. that was 2002 before I became involved in the gallery. And this was put together by um, a dear friend and supporter of the gallery, Avonal McKinnon, who was very well known for her particular love of Francis Hodgkin's work. So, and she often loaned us extra works as well. So she did the catalogue notes. Um, and uh, McGregor Wrights came up in that Olive Baldwin discussion. So there's there's a there's a there's a, a network. There's of, a little bit of a history mm. about how the field collection sort of came to be offered to the public. So Avonall was there when um, uh, the field trust was formed in 1991, and the paintings were basically stored away. And she quickly managed to catalogue them as well as she could at the time and put them into storage initially with McGregor Wright Gallery, who had by that time also moved up from Wellington to the Kapiti Coast. Um, and then uh, a few years later, the collection was offered to Mahara Gallery so it, become, it could become fully public because the trustees of that trust are not immediate family members. and But Peter Field, who was the uh, nephew of Francis, who met her in England in the war years. Yeah. He was an RAF pilot and he was over there. He met her in Cornwall and he just, he said, I, I get it, I get what she's on about. You know, she's she was a, a real character, a bit of an eccentric. And, you know, lived quite an unusual life for a woman in her 70s. I mean, she, you know, she was living in sometimes abandoned buildings. There were, you know, the bombing during the war and there was leaking and leaks. And she, you know, she was not always living in good conditions, but she was a very interesting person. So he he had this sense of who she was and what she was about. And he carried that that sort of commitment to her work through after her death and and his mother's death, Isabel, mm. and and eventually the trust was formed. So, um, yeah, he, he's another story. Um, Peter Field, he was um, sort of well-known in the district as, as he came back from the war and they had a little shop on the terrace in Wellington and then moved up to, um, to the coast and carried on the farm. Mm. And um, anyway, there's a lot more stories to be told there. Mm. And we're, we're just taking off little bite-sized chunks as we go and building our knowledge and the archive around it all the time. Yes, I think the local focus is really important yeah. uh, for us to embrace. And I think um, she was a, a post-impressionist um artist who was taking elements of Matisse and other post-impressionist artists and modernists and she really developed her own style um, and she was really a, a pioneer in her day. Yeah, she was the first woman to run her own private art school in Paris in 1912 and there's mm. headlines of a, you know, Dunedin paper, the Otago Daily Times, you know, basically, local girl makes it big in Paris. 1912 so and you know she was you know seeing shows by Picasso and Braque and and uh, Cezanne and um, Matisse and all you know those great figures mm. uh, but developing her own visual language um, because of the 
war, two wars, two world wars and the depression, she sort of ended up having to stay in England when she would probably rather have preferred to stay in France and and uh, Europe because she loved it there. But um, So she sort of became known as a leading modern artist in British circles, which were different from the French ones. But people like Henry Moore, the sculptor, and Barbara Hepworth and... Ben and Winifred Nicholson and, um, yeah, a, a bunch of interesting artists. So, she, yeah, her yeah, style she had was quite a diverse quite um, range of, of uh, topics. Um, her market scenes are, are really beautiful. Mm. And particularly her African ones uh, that she did in Morocco. She spent some time in Morocco and... I think those are probably my favourite out of all of her paintings, Europe, European and here. And they're quite rare too. They are very rare, Diana. but she's captured them There's perfectly. only about three or four, and we, we, I think we I have access to two or three of them. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool, eh? When I say three or four, there might be a couple more, but I mean, that they're not mm. so common. No, they're not. Those Moroccan but paintings. The, I think out of all of hers, those are my favourite. Mm. And probably because of my African connection. Yeah. Uh, with um, Afri- you know South Africa and Kenya and yeah I think her, her Moroccan ones are, and the marketplaces and that are just so they resonate with you the colours and she, yeah very earthy colours she's used oh and she she went mm. there and I think it was 1903 and her first trip to Europe she went across on a ship must have gone to Tangier mm. and there was a Tunisian couple called the Theamans who she met up with on the boat. And I think they commissioned one or two paintings from her during that trip. But when she got there, she wrote these ecstatic letters home. And to her friend Dorothy, she said, the light, the colour. It was like, it, it, it just, you know, just blew her mind, as we would say now. She she yeah. was completely entranced. And she she was trying to chase, you know, the colours as, the, you know, the light changed in the market and the sun was so, you know, quite harsh compared to, you know, modulated, I suppose, English light. And for her it was a revelation and um, sort of mm. set a new course for her, I think, in a way, that trip and, yes. and also her first trips to Italy. So she loved, she loved yeah, the, the Mediterranean, both south mm. and north, yeah. Everything's a lot more vibrant over there, it sounds like, you know. Well, the, you dust, UK, the dust in Africa makes the sunset so yeah. amazing. yeah. And it's that that dust in the air and the brightness of the sun, and it's just um, and the colour of the soils and that it's it's very different to anywhere in the, else in the world. Yeah, well, don't I mean like if you see in Australia, you know, around Ayers Rock and the Aborigines mm, and stuff, exactly they use they use the the, mm. the dirt for making pastes and 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 paint and, and you know yes, it's and, a very and hands beautiful on. rock art. Yeah, mm. exactly. So that must have been quite similar to sort of what she was seeing at the time. She she liked um, painting uh, the Arabic people there as well. So she did some interesting mm. portraits of um, her guide. There was a young, I think he might have been Sudanese um, man in North Africa who sort of held the mm. umbrella while she sat in the market and painted. She did a lovely study of him. It's the clothes women. also. Yeah. The, the flowing clothes with the heat mm-hmm. were beautifully captured. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think it, uh, I think... She reminded them of Māori because she loved painting Māori in New Zealand but uh, before she left and on her trips back. But also, you know, she was a basically a woman from a colonial British background. Mm. So she did um, exoticise both 
Māori and um, uh, non-European people to an extent, uh, and it was it was also quite common at the time. So her travels in Europe sort of reflected a little bit of that romantic, um, you know, approach. There's another couple of well-known paintings of a Jewess and that uh, echoed in one of the other well-known paintings in the Field Collection called The Fortune Teller. And it's it's a woman looking into the teacups, reading the teacups, and it's it feels, you know, it's quite sort of romanticised in a way. Let's see. I mean, obviously we're on the radio. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold, it, hold it up book. to the microphone, Janet. Go on. But yeah, uh, I, can, yeah. I can have a look, though. I'm sort of craning yeah, my neck across actually, the desk. You could actually go on, on the web and, and, and really Google some of the yeah. the paintings that we've been speaking about today. Oh. When you want to find it, there she is. So mm. oh. she's looking in the teacup. And actually, the, the amazing picture. thing is we've actually got the actual teacup as well. The original teacup yes. that she... Wow. Yes. yes. So, you know, what we'll be able to Don't build... Don't let me touch it. I break things. ...in the new gallery is sort of a, a, you know, a bigger picture... Yeah. ...that allows people or enables people to get quite close to this story and the person and the settings that she worked in. Yeah, being able to look through her eyes yeah. is, is really, I think, key to understanding her work. This is really cool that you can offer something like this. I just think, where else do you get this ex- sort of experience? I, As you know, I keep saying I live in Levin, but I did live down at Waikanae Beach for a couple of years, and I didn't understand any of the history. It wasn't until I've met mm-hmm. Janet and yourself, Diana, that I've started to learn about where the names of Waikanae's come from and what the, the history is about and, and the people that lived here many hundreds of years ago. Well, personally, I'm really pleased that we still have so many of the original Māori place names here. Yeah. I think that's really special to, you know, have that original layer, as you say, that connection to the whenua, which is, you know, very evident here in Mahara Place. Mm. You know, Mahara, which means memory, and we, we've kept that name obviously uh, going in various buildings, including the gallery, and um, the Mariah's nearby, and there's a lot of work being done by different groups around um, the area on bringing more of that heritage and that awareness to the Mm. fore, and I think it's only going to grow and get stronger in um, the years to come, Mm. and the gallery will contribute to that. And the rewriting of of some stories, historical texts and and things like that may come at a later stage well it's all by having discussions Mm. like we are on the radio and educating people you know they might be doing their dishes right now but they're learning something and then they go oh i'm going to go and see how mahara is progressing and then when it opens they can come in and say well actually i heard janet and diana talking about Mm. that or or they'll go to the website and join up and be a friend exactly can i tell you one great story um, about the name mahara so it comes from Mahara House, um, which was built roughly where the countdown supermarket is now. So picture a two-story, beautiful um, accommodation house, which mm-hmm. was described in the, as the pride and joy of Waikanae. So people catch the train from Wellington to recreate. They come up here to go hunting and fishing, and it had beautiful lily gardens in the back and tennis courts. Oh, lovely. And the Parata Whanau had uh, 
uh, hack racing club down the road so you can ride horses. I mean, it and sounded <laughs> amazing. And it was a very modern contemporary design based on the sort of prairie-style American buildings. Built in 1901 for Hemi Martinger, mm-hmm. who, uh, whose name is also well-known here. Uh, he was the brother of Wee Parata, um, who was the original um, tribal leader and and farmer for this area and also a politician. So, yeah, heaps of history just in Mahara House, that name. And people can still find um, a Pohutakawa tree at the front um, at, in the grounds of this gas station, which would date from the time of that house. Unfortunately, the house itself built down in 1933, I think, so wasn't up that long. But um, there's some one or two lovely photographs of it and that's where I think Mahara Place gets its name and thus the gallery. Awesome. Well, we are just about out of time. So on that very positive note, make sure you go to Mahara Gallery's website, find out more about being a friend and support this local Tonga. Yes, and any news, um, our visits are always um, written up and shared with our members and you can visit this website and see where else we've been and what's coming up. And Facebook too. And Facebook too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Tanya. All right. Thank you for having us. us. Yeah, you've been listening to Focus on Arts on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. Don't forget to head to our website to head, hear back episodes of Focus on Arts, coastaccessradio.org.nz. Ka kite. And This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.